Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it going today? It's very well, Riley. Thank you for asking. So what's been going on in the world of Mr. Crewall? Well, I'm getting ready for that coding cohort. I know you guys are probably sick of me talking about it, but just doing my, you know, I'm watching my lectures. I'm doing my pre-work. I've been putting out the YouTube videos. I've been having a really fun time with this Vivid Voltage format. Not that it shakes up too much, and we'll get to that in in the podcast later on, but just that it adds, you know, kind of a new depth to the format and a bunch of new cards that we get to play around with. So that's been fun. And uh, beyond that, just doing what i normally do making food playing board games (laughs) yeah it's been good how about you i've i've been doing well recently i've been doing well um me and my friend have been watching attack on titan i think we talked about that last week as well um gearing up for the fourth season coming out in december um i also started reading a new book yesterday um my friend recommended to me it's not a book i would normally read but it's called the invisible life of Addie larue it's about a girl who is immortal but anytime she leaves someone's line of sight they like instantly forget that she exists um so and the the game of it is like she made a deal with like a devil type character and whenever she becomes so miserable that she doesn't want to live anymore she gives up her soul is the idea Um, okay and the, the 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 twist is that she meets someone who remembers her the next time that she sees him Yo. Um, yeah so it's That's huge it's a uh, it's pretty interesting um it's I've, it's like got a little bit of romance in it which is it again that's the part i wouldn't normally read a book like that um <laughs> but when a nice friend of yours recommends a book and it's pretty engaging premise you read it yeah and i yeah. actually i've actually really enjoyed it so far so um yeah so that's, that's great that's been my that's week in review over here uh, nothing too exciting Very- very cool (laughs) but there is a lot of exciting stuff in the world of pokemon cards we can't ever forget that uh the vivid voltage set is officially out and players have been so excited to get their hands on this car on the cards in this set um a lot of hyped up v max pokemon that we'll certainly get into and we just are coming off the back of the last full grip open tournament which uh had a lot of new experiences with Vivid Voltage now in the mix. So, JW, as the uh, organizer and caster of that event, what were some of the trends that we noticed with the post-Vivid Voltage world in the Full Grip Online series? Yeah, well, if you just look at the overall player decks, it was very top-heavy with Zacian, with both the Zacian variants being the top two most played decks. I think that was the most surprising for me. I would have chosen... Zosh and Luke Metal to be my deck of choice heading into the tournament, but I was a little surprised to see it at that number two spot of most played. I mean, I think we've seen Zosh and Luke Metal go through kind of these phases over the last format of being, you know, very highly played, and then uh, generally, I would say, kind of in that mid-tier range. Um, And so again, you know, it's just interesting to see it take that second spot in most played. It had 10 out of the 88 players. Zosh and ADP, being the most played deck, I don't know that that's necessarily a surprise. But then in third place, to me, uh, the most surprising deck was Scorch, having seven players out of the 88 played that. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to dissect from all three of those. Um, maybe not as much ADP. Um, 
But let's talk about uh, Lucario Memodel and Senti Scorch because they seem to have a little bit of push and pull dynamic there. Um, obviously, people are very excited about coding Metal Energy and even making an appearance, and I think, in a couple of ADP decks in the last week or so. Um, but definitely a huge star of the show in these Lucario Memodel decks. Really, the only weakness of that deck was its weakness itself, and being able to mitigate that, a huge factor, obviously. Mm -hmm. Fire decks responding by playing the Giratina to remove that coding metal energy. Um, yeah. They still have to find it. They have to find the scoop up nest to do it again. Um, yeah. Like you're asking something of your opponent at least. Whereas I feel like Sunny Scorch pretty much ran over Lucario on that metal with unless you got like some cheeky um, Zamazenta playoff where you KO yeah. all the box or something. And, and you know the weakness guard energies were seen for a bit in Lucario and Zosh and Luke Metal and. Um, you know, those were something that uh, players, you know, either went, you know, hey, I'm going to, I figure I'll play a Senta Scorch. Maybe I'll throw these in there because Senta Scorch, you know, in last format didn't, it wasn't necessarily an auto include to have that Giratina. And so now we're seeing Senta Scorch. I'm pretty sure every single list or almost every list played that Giratina scoop up net combo and really just had a field day with the Zosh and Luke medals. Yeah, it feels like you can't really get away with those greens, Sandy Scorch variants anymore because you can't have that flexibility of having your Giratina. You can't have that flexibility of being able to reuse that Giratina with scoop up nets over and over. Um, and then obviously the extra draw power afforded to you by Shaman into Dene, um, not Shaman, into Dene and Crobat. Um, so it definitely seems like ability Sandy Scorch pulling out ahead. Is there any other factors that you think contributed to the Cariel Metal being so dominant or was it really just waiting for waiting for its time to shine i i think it was yeah just a safe play from opponents i mean it, it's the one deck out of the top i don't know handful that did get a significant improvement with the release of vivid voltage in that coding metal energy um so i don't know that it necessarily you know it could have been some kind of flavor of the week for a lot of players but i think yeah. it was just a safe choice that actually was something that um got improved on from the last format yeah, I'm inclined to agree. It's one of the few existing decks that really got a bump out of uh, Vivid Voltage. I feel like Vivid Voltage, we talked about this last week and the week before as well, but it's a very self-contained kind of set. Like it's very, it dives deep into its archetypes, but it doesn't really affect the existing ones too much. Um, yeah. With the exception of pretty much just Lucario Melmetal, which obviously got that coding metal energy. Uh, I also do mm -hmm. think Lucario Melmetal was generally decently poised. Um, you know, Azul had really played a lot of the Whimsicott deck. It had a pretty good matchup there. Had a pretty good matchup against any miscellaneous VMAX that people play. You know, the sure. Ore Beetles of the world, the, sure. uh, the Pikachus, <laughs> like anything people would be excited to play, Colossal. Um, sure. You know, you get a good matchup there. And uh, generally just a pretty safe deck that you can take to most scenarios. Like, I mean, yeah. we've talked about that for a while. Was our top choices for the Players' Cup were Pikaram and Lucaro Metal. Um, I was like, Pikaram got a bad matchup in Colossal. Uh, Lucar Memo got a good one. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Makes and sense. and that's important. That's important that you bring up Colossal because I think it's a it's mere existence. It didn't perform well, and it's not from my testing and what I've seen. It's not a particularly powerful deck, but its mere existence, at least in this early part of the metagame, has really discouraged a lot of people from playing. Pikaram and Eternatus. We saw those numbers be very, very low. Whereas in last format, you know, you would really see Eternatus and Pikaram kind of vie for those top, you know, two or three most played decks. Now you're seeing them more towards the middle 
and lower of, you know, the tier one options. And, you know, I think a lot of that has to go to, has to go to the presence of Colossal. Um, those two decks being underplayed, I, I would say, has also led to uh, Scent of Scorch's rise. Like, yeah. uh, Scent of Scorch had some decent matchups already in the Luke medal and, and, you know, Zashin ADP was a pretty 50, 50, maybe leaning toward uh scent of scorch being favored, but you had some generally bad matchups in peak and Eternatus, of course, Eternatus being able to potentially one shot you if they play a poison variant. Um, and then peak being able to, you know, stamp you down to one or two paralyze your active and kind of cheese out the win from there. And so you had those matchups, be underplayed in the full grip online series. And I think that's what, you know, and Scent Scorch not necessarily a bad deck, but the question that I was asking myself this week um, is why are we seeing so much Scent Scorch? And then it came to kind of a head in the tournament yesterday where it was, why are we seeing so much Scent Scorch and why is it doing so well? <laughs> and you look at the, uh, you look at the matchups that it has against Zashin ADP and Zashin Luke Metal, generally on the favorable side. And then it's two pretty bad matchups of those tier ones in Eternatus and Picaram were certainly underplayed at the uh at the full group tournament no i 100 percent agree with that analysis i think the the presence of colossal has in the early stages of the metagame truly discouraged people from playing eternatus and picaram i think we're already starting to see that shift and we could talk about that more in just a bit here um you know with the revelation that maybe colossal wasn't everything it was hyped up to be um in the states but um certainly that shift has been very much in Santa Scorch's favor, you know, where decks like Lucaro, Memetal, and ADP are everywhere, and generally Colossal can run over any deck that's relatively slow, like the, the Orbeetles, the whatever else uh, out there is just kind of chugs along and tries to get a win slowly. Like, really, the Santa Scorch preys on that. It it likes games mm-hmm. to play at its pace, and yeah. um, so the meta is definitely developed in a way that's pretty favored for Sunny Scorch. Still not a deck that I'm like overly hot on myself just because I don't like that run hot element to it. But um, sure. I, I can't sure. help admit that it's found a much better niche for itself than it would have uh, yeah, even a month the, ago. I mean, it's, certainly, it's certainly, if you're wondering, you know, because I haven't been a big fan of Sunny Scorch. I mean, even Andrew hasn't really been the biggest fan of Sunny Scorch and he ended up getting second place yesterday in the tournament. And yeah, you just look at the metagame has shifted to the point that Santa Scorch has become, you know, this very viable threat to pretty much take down, um, you know, take down a tournament at any given time. Yeah. So let's break down what those top placements at the full grip online series were looking like. What, what ended up taking the top eight spots? Yeah. So there were a couple of Zashin ADP, obviously, Zashin ADP won the tournament yesterday, and then we had a couple of Scent Scorches. One Eternatus, which did manage to get fourth place, and um, you know, I I wouldn't say that Eternatus is a bad play right now. I think just people are kind of off of it because of Colossal, but I don't think you necessarily need to be. Uh, we had one Zashin Luke Metal, and one Blacephalon, and one Ore Beetle to round out the top eight. The Ore Beetle, you you love to see it. So you do love to see it. Yes. <laughs> Were there any surprises that you encountered throughout the tournament? Like maybe something that didn't get top eight, but was really interesting or got very close? Yeah, sure. I mean, I well, Orbeetle did get top eight. It got that eighth slot, but it was pretty well represented outside of top eight. Um, just in the top 32, there were a couple of others um, playing Orbeetle, just kind of showing that maybe 
Orbital is the premier VMAX out of Vivid Voltage, whereas, you know, maybe many people thought Colossal might be. The other deck that is particularly interesting had a couple of top 16 performances was Rillaboom Agrown. So that's, <laughs> I mean, go. hey, I don't know how they did it, but they ended up beating Scent to Scorch. Uh, both players that played the Agrow deck ended up being sent to scorch <laughs> i don't i again i don't know how they did it because they only had two weakness guard energy apiece but it worked they found a way that's wild that is wild yeah so grass pokemon clearly making waves in this format what are your thoughts on on orbeetle i'm i mean my me personally i think it looks really fun we talked a bunch of times about how orbeetle is a deck that we wanted to experiment with um i i can say with confidence i did not expect the engine to form out exactly as it did with the um god what's the ability even called on that snorlax gorman dies gorman dies that's what it is i love that that's so great um, i just rest in peace gorman <laughs> he got eyesed he got he dies <laughs> yeah, um but yes so i i think it's i think it's a cool deck i think it really depends on how your opponent plays into it um i i need to do more testing with orbital but certainly it's a deck that you know you can play around to an extent you know certainly there are decks like sent to scorch or eternatus that you can't you know if you can't handle their damage output then you just lose either way but with orbital the damage output is um you know just a little bit different if they can force you to bench a bunch of stuff then you know they can take cheaper ko's on things and that damage really racks up uh the yeah. longer the game goes on so you have some more opportunity to play around an orbital strategy than you would some of the other decks that, uh, you know, that, that comprise the metagame right now. Um, but, you know, orbital, certainly another deck that newly released and like Colossal, I don't think lists are perfected yet. So I would expect to see that deck, you know, consistently uh, be somewhere in the mix over yeah. the next few tournaments. My my one wish list for for Orbeetle, and it's I don't think a great option for this exists now, is I wish they had more ways to like really take advantage of the damage counters that were on the board. And what I've noticed yeah. playing and watching Orbeetle is that you know they're spreading all this damage, but really the end goal is to get like a couple of counters on one Pokemon so they can get cleaner math. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so you have what one two hundred damage just on the board doing nothing. It, I wish there was a way that Orbeetle could take advantage of that a little better. Um, I think if there is a card that comes out that lets Orbeetle do that, it will be in a much better position. Um, sure. You know, something like a like at the Tapu Lele, but specifically more compatible with, with Orbeetle. Um, I think if it had a card like that, it would really be in a fantastic spot even. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's another card that you look at. It's like, surely this will be good at some point. I lo- also look to are not good. I mean, we, it's been, you know, again, it's, it's, it's been performing. Up, sure. It's been, it's put up, you know, relatively good results, but um, you know, you look at, I don't know, another VMAX like the uh, Toga kiss where it's like, well, it feels, it feels good. It should probably be maybe a little bit better, but it just needs like one more piece to kind of send it over the edge. So Orbital certainly a card that again, the lists aren't perfected yet, but I would expect if it gets another tool, if it gets another piece, like what you were talking about, that it could really, do some damage for sure so let's dive a little bit more into colossal as well how many colossals were ended up at the the full grip online 
Yeah, Colossal had a pretty weak showing. Overall, there were five. So it was kind of in that middle of the pack in terms of amount of play. You know, Picaram was another deck that had five out of the 88. Um, so certainly not a deck that I would ever be worried about facing. I don't think that the metagame will ever go to a point where Colossal is, and maybe I'll eat my words in a <laughs> month, but I don't think that the metagame will ever get to a point where Colossal is like the most feared deck. Because I just I worry that you take some bad matchups. Um, I worry that Santa Scorch is a little bit difficult to deal with. They can um, they can tank your hits pretty well, and then they can dish out you know significant damage to two shot you through the uh, stone energy. And then you look at a deck like Zashin ADP again, something that can just pump out damage really early that you have a hard time keeping pace with if you um, you know aren't able to heal effectively. So Colossal really didn't perform that well in this tournament. I think there was one player, Sean, that got top 16 with the deck. But honestly, after watching two of his games, um, you know, his opponents misplayed or, or played suboptimally out of the win. Um, you know, just doing, there was one opponent that just thinned a little too much and uh, <laughs> got, and then, and then Sean was able to capitalize by just gusting something. And then, you know, it's the kind of thing where it's like, well, if I, if I didn't play one card, uh, then I would have won. And then, then there was another one that was a deck out that was just kind of a weird situation because they had um, overplayed their cards. And uh, so, you know, the the times that we got Colossal on the stream yesterday, it wasn't that impressive, I guess is what I'm trying to, trying to say. Um, and so, yeah, I would never be worried at this point in in this early metagame, I don't think I would be worried about Colossal. If you're if you're an Eternatus player or a Picaron player and you're out there and you're like, man, I don't think I could play these decks, I want to reassure you that you know fighting is not is not it right now. It's not the deck right now. Yeah, I mean any- the corollary to that even is that we've seen Picaroms do pretty well at some of these other online tournaments. Um yeah. you know, and really even against the Colossal, like you can throw on a Mewtwo and all of a sudden you're not one hit KO'd. And then what is the point of the yep. Colossal deck even? Um, right. right. That's, yeah, I think Colossal... that's my biggest gripe is, is the math yeah. just isn't very good on Colossal. Like it's yeah. throwing a lot of hits at Pokemon that can two hit KO it. Um, I mean, it's arguably, arguably, not entirely, but arguably worse than Excadrill. Because you don't hit quite the numbers there's a lot more that you need to do you know you you need to have the evolution and the energy stacked on top of the deck which is not a given you know and um it's hard to move around uh, it's you know there's it's three prizes obviously when you get knocked out so there's some arguments to be made for excadrill actually being the superior one energy fighting attacker yeah i mean the colossal has so many pieces that it needs to get into place and i think uh i think we all kind of underestimated how difficult it would be to get those pieces really moving um and even when they're moving how effective those pieces would be i kind of i was already under the impression that like zashian would be a tough matchup any deck with a zashian because they would just hit you so hard so fast but um i think i even underestimated how difficult that would be as a colossal deck to deal with yeah yeah, and then again, you look at like a deck like Santa Scorch, which has a really, a really strong soft counter in that Giratina, um, being able to knock off those stone energies. So, and honestly, you know, even with the stone energies there, like Santa Scorch is often in a position where it will just two hit KO you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, that was one of the, one of the bad matchups for Colossal, um, from, from the full group online series last night. And, um, you know, didn't really have too many favorable ones outside of what it could hit for weakness. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, I think I kind of agree with you that the Excadrill, even the Don fans out there seem like more reasonable fighting counter decks. I would prefer the Excadrill personally, but um, I know some people are really into like Don fan Spiritomb kind of decks as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's arguable. I'm not saying, you know, that, sure yeah i mean it doesn't have to be definitive facts you know there are right it doesn't have to be definitive fact but i'm i'm with that logic process mostly because really unless colossal is against a fighting weak deck it doesn't really thrive and so at that point Mm -hmm. you might as well play a one prize attacker that can get those solid trades off and do similar damage with its fighting energy yeah yeah the awkward thing is that you want energy on your colossal and you also want energy you know in your hand so you can stack your deck with it it's just uh something something about it isn't quite meshing and then you want to be able to heal but you know you often need to draw a lot of cards to try to get into your energy you know because you're not playing a ton of energy it's just something about it isn't quite living up to the hype and certainly colossal was a very hyped deck from the japanese metagame um yeah but where they also have that's what's that's what's so interesting about it, you know? But I believe the Japanese metagame also had access to Macargo, which certainly was a pretty yeah. substantial factor in consistency. And Cargo and Diancy, too. You get that extra buff from the Prism Star as well. Yeah, the Diancy getting a lot of extra consistency to your damage output. I mean, even hitting for 60 over 40, like when you're not doing the effect, is pretty significant. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not huge on Colossal right now. Um, I would be curious to see if lists develop to a place where, you know, it, it gets to maybe a, a more substantial part of the metagame. But I definitely think Colossal kind of flopped relative to the hype. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it's one tournament and I would expect lists to get better and better and more well-defined. The other thing that I would look to um, Colossal is as like some way that players could innovate. And if they do find an innovation that they could really allow the deck to take off is having a counter to Zamazenta. There hasn't been anything that I've really found that's a, an adequate counter. I mean, you, of course, you do have that Galarian Surfetched V, which has made its way into most decks, but it doesn't do enough to one-shot a Zamazenta unless you're down in prizes and you have the dojo out. So, and even then, some... especially not against Lucario Metal. Uh, not against Lucario Metal, Metal right, because they're doing the damage reduction. So if there's some way for the uh, Excadrill deck to maybe have a better you know try to find a solution to like a lucario melmetal deck then maybe it would be uh just just better poise i mean obviously it would be better poised for the metagame if it could try to solve one of the top two zashin decks matchups yeah yeah I mean, the problem even gets worse because the surfetch will hit into you and if they have a pan on <laughs> you're doing 140 and then they'll yeah. melon it get down to 20 20 damage on the poke and then they'll also remove your stone energy with the attack um, yeah yeah and then and then you can't even attack multiple yeah, times and then you have so you to switch to attack again and then you're also ko'd the following turn so it's just it's a whole thing it's a whole thing it's definitely a to-do <laughs> it's definitely a to-do <laughs> so yeah not hot on colossal here at tag team any other notable pickups from the full grip online series 
I I don't think so. I mean, again, we look at just the the surprise for me was not just how much Scent of Scorch there was, because we had been seeing some Scent of Scorch be played in some of these other online tournaments, but just how well it did, how well it performed. And, and again, seeing it really up close um, on the stream was really impressive. We had a lot of players play Dragapults. Yeah, there was a lot of Dragapult, well. relatively speaking. <laughs> yeah, there were six Dragapult. It was the fourth most played deck. Um, <laughs> yeah, it didn't perform that well. Um, there weren't really many that were close to, um, you know, the top eight money, but, um, that people play Dragapult. And I think, again, you're seeing that as kind of a result of there being a lot less Eternatus in the metagame. I wouldn't expect that to last. I think people are just kind of feeling out this early metagame. And I, I have a feeling that Eternatus should pick up in play. Yeah. Especially if Colossal is everywhere or not Tenny Torch is everywhere. Right. Right. Exactly. Cool. So let's jump into card of the day then, JW. It's your turn with the baton. What do you got for us this time? Yeah, today, card of the day. Um, I really enjoyed this card back in the day because it paired with a bunch of other degenerate cards. And I just, <laughs> I like when there are archetypes that revolve around, like there are some like serious Pokemon cards, but then there are some that are just derpy looking. And so this card was a very high level card back in 2015, I want to say. And you paired it with Seismitoad, you paired it with <laughs> Hypnotoxic Laser, you paired it with Crushing Hammer, you paired it with Lysander's Trump card, and you made this like beast of a deck. And that is, of course, Slurpuff from the uh, expansion phantom forces so slurpuff had this ability tasting that lets you draw one card a turn it was, a, it was a stage one of course slurpuff um lets you draw one card a turn and if it's in the active position you get to draw an additional card so you would use the slurpuff you would try to get as many as you possibly could down on the bench and you would play it with seismitoad uh, to item lock your opponent play that seismitoad of course back in the day you would have hypnotoxic laser try to force your opponent to go to sleep and so if they're item locked and they're asleep then they can't you know use switches and things like that there wasn't anything uh there wasn't any supporter switch either guzma that was before guzma when we had lysander as our only gust so players were just forced to um you know, fall kind of victim to that strategy on that like 50-50 chance that they woke up in between turns that they could attack into a seismitoad. And then if they did attack into a seismitoad, you could just pick it up with an AV and promote your Slurpuff, draw those two cards, draw a card for each Slurpuff on your bench and go back into it. And the whole thing was made even more degenerate by this card called Lysander's Trump card, which it was a supporter. And of course, you know, if you've been playing for any amount of time, you know, you, you might've seen it on the ban list, but I, I do want to just emphasize just how disgusting this card was, <laughs> uh, particularly with, you know, these slur puffs that could just draw you free cards every single turn, but you could shuffle your discard pile back into your deck and have access to those, um, you know, hypnotoxic laser crushing hammers, uh, AZs and all that stuff. You just basically cycle the loop over and over again. So slur puff, Again, derpy looking card, tongue hanging out, but an integral part of this, arguably the most degenerate deck of the time. Yeah. I, isn't the old saying that Pokemon realized that Trump card had to be banned um, when Toad Puff ended up beating Frisian Genesect in the finals of a regional? Yeah, that was very notable because, of course, Verizian <laughs> takes the weakness on a Seismitoad. And makes and it so you immune to status. 
Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the the sheer amount of like crushing, ha- you know, you thought crushing bam- hammer was bad. And resist water? water as well. What's that? And resist water as well, doesn't it? That's true. Yeah, yeah. So you're not even hitting that much damage, right, in that matchup. But but even so, you could you could remove all their energy, and then you know you could do it all again, and you could do it you know infinite times essentially, right? Because you could play via seeker for trump card, play the trump card, you know, and then via seeker again. You know, you get your via seekers back, right? So it literally is this infinite loop. And that was, I played that deck to no end. You know, that was that was my deck, and I had a field day during that. <laughs> Uh, during that time because i don't think i'll ever see another deck as broken as that one yeah it's crazy to me that trump card and vs seeker came out in the same set <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like they were printed presumably with each other in mind <laughs> uh, you know i throw my hands well the vs seeker actually had come out earlier so the vs seeker was a reprint sure it but it, they re- they actively chose to reprint it in yeah, in the same set. Sure, sure. Yeah, so the card designers were like, yeah, you know what would be really cool? <laughs> so if we can make an infinite loop very easily. Like, it's not like it's it a took two like a setup. Infinite loop. Yeah, it's not like it was, you know, you needed to evolve something or it's like an ability <laughs> or something like that. No, no, no. You just needed to, essentially two cards to get an infinite loop. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, that's completely insane. Yeah. so nuts yeah i one thing i i say this all the time one thing i love about the card game relative to the video game is random niche pokemon that might not ever find a use in the video game can find a place in the card game and i think slurpuff is a really good example of that of just this derpy goofy pokemon that like you know doesn't contribute a lot but then all of a sudden it has this really cool card and you know it finds a place that's right <laughs> And speaking of completely disgusting decks, <laughs> JW, in your opinion, right now, what is the premier deck to play in the Vivid Voltage metagame? Is it Lucario? Is it Thenny Scorch? The Colossal? Pikram? Something in between? What is the premier deck to play? Yeah. Like, what, what would be the deck knowing, you know, having a little bit more defined outline of the metagame that I would play? Yeah uh it it had to be adp for me i think adp yeah <laughs> yeah so what makes adp still the number one choice for you heading into vivid voltage um the matchups across the board are just very even so if the metagame swings any week you know let's say in response to all the scent of scorch people opt to play more eternatus or they opt to play like uh water decks you know we could certainly see something like lapras or um inteleon you know rise a little bit more than than has been um recent and so i think you know just a deck like adp is kind of immune to all the metagame shifts and that to me if you're looking at a if you're looking at a tournament by tournament basis you know if i'm trying to metagame for like only the next tournament then okay maybe i might take a different deck but if i'm looking at kind of a long form approach to the metagame and what would i play you know not just in this next tournament but if i'm going to play you know a, a string of tournaments over the next week or the next couple of weeks i just take adp the matchup spread is is very um adequate and you know you're really never out of a game that so you play. is there anything in particular that you would include in your adp list or you'd recommend that other people look at particular texts that you think are useful at the moment not particularly straightforward adp 
Yeah, and honestly, I wouldn't even be worried about playing something like Age of Slash. Um, some people have been talking about it, but I think there's... I, I was never really worried about Decidueye Goon before, and... You know, I don't know, particularly now that Scent of Scorch again is seeing like higher levels of play than it did in the last format. I don't know that I would be all that worried about facing a Decidueye Goon in, um, you know, in, in the current metagame. For sure. Yeah. I mean, or an Altaria deck. Yeah. Makes sense to me. I, I was wondering if you were considering something like a Melodic or something wild like that. Yeah, you could. Absolutely. I think that there's a lot of space right now for these kind of counter box decks. I have been working on a melodic V deck on my own. I mean, I was just thinking in the realm of ADP, like you could play. No, 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 for sure. For sure. I, I'm just saying like, yes, melodic is a really good card right now as its own deck. But also, yeah, in, in ADP, you know, you maybe want to play a, a water type attacker. Um, but that's, again, not something that I'm I would particularly lean towards, again, you'd have to kind of suss it out because if you think that there's going to be even more Scent of Scorch, then yeah, sure. Then you might play some water type attacker in Teleon or the Melodic. But uh, if you think that there's going to be a counter response, which I would say that generally there is, you know, generally if you see that, um, you know, there's kind of a peak in a valley, right? So the response to seeing a lot of Scent of Scorch might be that there would be more Picaram and more Eternatus um then you know obviously a melodic doesn't really fit into a metagame where those <laughs> other decks are more highly played uh i'm with you i'm with you so it's it's like you know it, it's just uh, we're kind of splitting hairs here when we're talking about this it's like should you or shouldn't you but it's it really kind of comes down to case-by-case -case basis and then uh, whether you're taking a long form or a short form approach to the metagame and whether or not you just want to ensure certain matchups. You know, I'm generally going to be more in favor of kind of um, taking, you know, including cards on my list that aren't just useful in one matchup. And I would argue very heavily that the Melodic is pretty useless in just about every other matchup aside from Scent of Scorch. So uh, generally I'm going to be looking for techs and deck options that are useful in many different, um, in many different ways and many different matchups. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that for sure. Any other decks catch your eye recently? What's your what's your favorite meme deck from Vivid Voltage? Um, meme deck, I mean, certainly has to be Whimscott. I think that deck was really fun. Uh, for some reason, I feel like I overlooked it a lot heading into the format. Um, but that's easily the most fun deck for me, being able to recycle those um, tools and, and getting back the U-turn boards. That's been a really big bright spot. Um, one of the better one prize decks to come along in a while ha has kind of this reminiscent feel to Spirit Tomb a couple of formats ago. The U-turn uh, boards, man. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> what about you? What have you been enjoying as kind of fun decks? Sure. Well, first, the the decks that I would consider the most right now um, are going to be, I would still be on the same train as before, honestly. I would play Lucarl, Melmetal, and Picaram. <laughs> yeah. I think those decks are super good still. Um, in terms of fun decks, I every I feel like every set I get laser focused on one meme deck, and I will do everything in my power to make it work. The I think the first iteration of it was, and you can find this on the Tricky Gym YouTube channel. Was I have a video on the Tricky Gym channel of a Garchomp Lucario deck. Um, yeah. from the Ultra Prism set. And that was like the first iteration of me getting really into a meme deck. 
Um, yeah. The iteration this time, last time it was Mad Party, obviously. This time it is Charizard. I really want to make Charizard work. <laughs> that deck seems so fun and so cool, <laughs> and it's been complete garbage so far. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't know if there's even a way to make it work, but like, that's currently where my sights are focused. Uh-huh. so you know i'm gonna spend like a week in that rabbit hole um <laughs> trying to figure out how to how to make that work it, um i love it. but yeah that that's my deck of the set uh certainly whimsicott is is also a deck that i find really fun and interesting although i would say whimsicott is like c- close to if not graduated from pure meme tier into like being mm. a decent deck um yeah sure sure you know, I mean, you look at uh, like a meta game that had more Mewtwo would probably be, you know, a significant. I mean, more I, favorable I think it, I think it trades card. well into most of the VMAX decks besides, uh, or three price decks in general besides Lucario Melmetal, really, um, where it really struggles. I don't know about ADP, really. I don't know that. Yeah, ADP, ADP is tough as well. Um, and that's really, good. I mean, that's really the downfall of all of these one price decks is that ADP. I, true, true. You could play something like Eladius or Eladios. Um, that's something that I want to experiment with. Is yeah, know, and people have been trying the Heracross as well. Um, sure. And Heracross, I mean, it's probably something we should specifically call out is the rise of, of Heracross. Um, you know, it's, Heracross. I feel like it's always been a known quantity, but I feel like people are talking about it a lot more recently. I don't know if you've noticed this too. Um, yeah, I've seen some Twitter threads about Heracross for sure. Yeah. So curious to see if people try and innovate a little more and push the one prize metagame to be a little more viable it's something i would like to see um certainly my mad parties and charizards would like to see that um so all my <laughs> yeah, all right. my brothers and sisters uh out there who believe in mad party and charizard like you know we got to figure out heracross guys <laughs> we got to get that go. going i love it <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of where i'm sitting like honestly post vivid voltage riley and pre vivid voltage riley are really not that different in terms of how I would align myself. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, maybe I'll throw a game of Sunny Scorch where I, before I would I would never touch the deck. Sure. Uh, but yeah, still. Yeah, that's funny. Anything else really catching your eye from the new set? Um, you know, I I've been toying with the amazing rares a little bit. Those are certainly, you know, meme meme potential worthy. You know, uh, Raikou has been just a very fun attacker. Raikou's super cool. Format. <laughs> yeah it, it is kind of crazy when you do get that that's uh, like the kind of attack where you expect to like discard all the energy or something and he just does it <laughs> i know right yeah no he, he's a real dude he's a real dude he can get in there so uh that's been that's been fun but really it it feels like with this release the metagame has kind of settled it it feels interesting to say like we're adding new cards but the metagame has settled more i i don't <laughs> quite know how to quantify that but it just feels like you know, some of the decks get a little buff, a little bit of a boost, but on the whole, we're kind of seeing more of the same. And, um, you know, with some new flares, you know, Orbital, Colossal, that kind of thing. Yeah, it kind of reminds me, I feel like usually the first set after rotation has a decent amount of impact. Um, I feel like Vivid Voltage is more like, I don't want to put it all the way in Evolutions tier, but it kind of reminds me of Evolutions, where there's like one deck that really came out of Evolutions with the Pidgeot deck, and then... Really, otherwise, the meta stayed about the same with like a couple of new tags. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like Vivid Voltage contributed more. I feel like there's more decks that came out of Vivid Voltage than Evolutions, but it's got a similar vibe. 
Yeah, right. Right, exactly. So, who's to say, though? The meta will certainly evolve over the next few weeks. I'm excited to see people perfect the archetypes that have come out of Vivid Voltage um, and, yeah. and see what those look like when they're all said and done. Yeah, no doubt. Let's uh, let's open up the floor to any viewer questions, guys, if you have anything that you want to ask us about what happened in the Full Group Online series, if you have any questions about what happened in uh, any of the other tournaments that happened this week, kind of our thoughts on uh, maybe even some expanded decks. Riley, have you seen anything in expanded that you've been um, interested in? I know that there is a Limitless tournament coming up uh, in the expanded format, I think in a couple of weeks, that will be featuring Vivid Voltage. So anything that you've seen people play that uh, has particularly intrigued you or anything you want to try in the expanded format yeah to be honest i haven't thought too much about expanded i did follow the the last um limitless tournament pretty closely when when you were in it i was like really um watching the standings as i was going about my day and watching your stream um yeah i i haven't really put too much thought into like what that would look like uh, the dragapult garb deck seems kind of underwhelming to me but i guess i haven't played it yet um one thing that I found really curious was the Eternatus Zorark deck. It seems like it has a lot going on, which yeah, <laughs> which seems kind of fun though. So you know, I'd like to yeah. maybe take that out for the rodeo or something. <laughs> yeah, that one was pretty cool. I mean, basically the same idea as like the Snorlax deck. You're going to be hitting for a little less <laughs> damage, but you're not reliant on a stadium. Um, and you know, you have access to a few different tools, a little bit more sustainable energy source with the dark patches and the basic energy. So, um, <laughs> you know, certainly some pluses and minuses, but very reminiscent of, yeah, you know, just get as many Pokemon on the field, hit as hard as you can. And you have that built in draw power with the Zorark. So, you know, really interesting deck from that, from that first tournament, obviously we've, um, you know, now with the vivid voltage, things will shake up. I'm sure a little bit. I can't wait to see what people come up with them. The amazing rares, you know, you certainly have that synergy with Ho-Oh. You can go ahead and yeah. uh, and switch on into that. So, you know, pretty easily now, Ninja Boy out of Ho-Oh and, uh, and do things like that that are pretty cool. One question in chat that I, I don't know who said it. I have to scroll up. Um, but the uh, this new Shiny set was asked about in, in chat earlier. Um, uh-huh. So, JW, have you been scoping that out too much? I haven't followed it too closely, but I did see when they announced the Zacian, Zamazenta, and Eternatus in black and gold. And my <laughs> word, that has to be the craziest, coolest-looking card that I may have ever seen. I know. They look so good. Like, <laughs> I like every time Pokemon comes out with one of these kind of mini sets. Well, it's not really a mini set, but every time they come out with one of these uh, shiny sets, like, I'm always just blown away by the by the production quality and kind of the new things that they bring to the table. It's somehow they keep making the same (laughs) concept look very fresh. And, um, you know, certainly this shiny vaults or shiny star set is, uh, is no different. And yes, those black and gold cards, the Zosh and Zamazenta Eternatus all look incredible. I keep, you know, again, the older I get, the more I (laughs) want to collect these cards. And it's like, it's hurting me because I really want some of this product. Yeah, I the Zashian, the Zamazenta, the Eternus, they all look so good. I just want to like display them somewhere. Uh, I will say this: there are some shinies that I think are better than are like significantly better, like actually make me enjoy the Pokemon. Whereas I I had a negative view. The one being, I don't know if you've seen this guy, the shiny Ice Q is pink. <laughs> I know. Yeah. What one, one actually thing actually looks good. 
That's a, that's a funny little change of heart you have there, sir. I know. I know. One thing I like about the shiny sets um, is the cards. I feel like they have really cool poses, like the regular shiny Pokemon. They always look sure. so so fun. Um, sure. So one I was thinking of in particular as I was like scrolling through here is like is like the Sinisty is like waving around or the Dedenne is jumping in the air. Um, yeah. Yeah, the action poses are all right there. You know, the Bunnelby is just leaping into the air, back to the camera. Uh, they do be leaping. They do be leaping, though. And it's just, it seems, it's just so, it's so fun. I, I really liked the last signage set. Um, I'm excited for this one as well. Um, it's so, it's, it's so satisfying as like a, a player or collector to open those packs yeah. up and see like a really fun, shiny card in it. Um, yeah. And I just love that. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Couldn't agree more. And when we get back to playing in real life, you know I'm going to show up with that four 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 mad party or all shinied up. Bruh, <laughs> bruh, don't even joke, man. I know you will. That would be so. That'd be so awesome. I'll just keep it. Even if I never play it, I'll keep an all shiny mad party deck eternally, eternally <laughs> sleeved up. Like in case the, in case the situation ever arises, right? Like. Gotta there have you your go. utility belt handy. There you go. <laughs> uh, Dr. Keith Talent says, do you guys think there's a place for Rillaboom-based grass decks in the meta? Uh, I think, yeah, we we just um, alluded to that a little bit. Uh, from the full grip tournament, it had a couple of placements in the top 16. Um, so a couple of losses keeping it from, you know, those higher, the higher tier, the top eight. But um, certainly, you know, showing, again, in a field that was, had major player incentive scorch. You, you look at a deck like Rillaboom performing in that metagame and, and you look at their matchups having both beaten a center scorch deck. Um, you gotta, you gotta ask why, and you gotta kind of think that, you know, maybe Rillaboom does have some legs in this format. So Agreed. it's a deck that I want to put a little bit more time into. Um, it's a one that, you know, Andrew Azul have, have played kind of more on the meme side in the last format, playing it with Mewtwo, but yeah, I'll be interested to see how Rillaboom does, and I think there absolutely is room for it in this metagame. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the coming out of nowhere, really, and stealing a it couple did. of top 16. Yeah, it did. And, and that's funny, too, because like you would think that uh, Rillaboom would kind of try to prey upon like a colossal-based metagame, but that certainly wasn't the case in the Fulgur Boundlight series, and <laughs> it did pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. See, scrolling up, looking for one more hot question to ask before we sign off for the evening. And I'm also I have the shiny cards open, and the uh, <laughs> I like how Phalanx has the regular shiny, and then it has the the V also as a shiny, so you can have yeah. <laughs> you can have just so many shiny phalanx in your deck. That's true. Yes, I mean that's what the world needs more of: shiny phalanx. Shiny phalanx. I'm sorry that I forgot your name multiple times, phalanx. <laughs> <laughs> Little Kirby-looking guy. <laughs> so fun. And one last question from Manderson six five four five, and he asks. Seriously, can you guys call your friends Gen Munners in reference to Gen Wonners? <laughs> I kind of like that. But... <laughs> Gen Munners, huh? 
Jen Munners. It kind of it kind of lean, leans a little too hard into my Twitch name, though. You know, like that's that'd be like well, my can, fan base. It can be maybe maybe there are people that are listening to this podcast. I I actually have no doubt that this is the case. That like you, like significantly more than me. You think so? So for all all your fans, they can be Jen Munners, and then you know maybe <laughs> little for flexors. my fans, yeah, they're little flexors. Is that what you call them? You should call them little flexors if you don't. I no, I do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like two happy distinct band names. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, we appreciate the continued listenership from everyone out there. We've done really well recently, and it's all thanks to you guys. Um, if you do enjoy the show, be sure to leave a rate and review on your podcasting platforms. And be sure to also follow us on our social media platforms. And so that's going to be Smouse Riles, Real John Walter, and Tag Team Pokemon on Twitter, as well as Munner and Flex Daddy Righteous on Twitch. And with that, we're going to head out and we'll catch you next time. Peace. See ya.